You're listening to Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports Desk podcast on the CMU football team and other matters concerning the college football landscape. Welcome to Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life football podcast. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor here at Central Michigan Life. To my very left is Dominic Mastrangelo. He is a beat writer for the football team. And then between us, we have Jim Costa. How's it going, Jim? Guys, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, Jim. So uh, I'm originally from Livonia, Michigan, came up to Central Michigan, and uh, I've been fortunate to be the sideline reporter and pregame host for uh, the IMG Sports Network for CMU football. And it's been a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to this week. So Jim is able to really get the, get the details on the sideline. He was the first one to really report the whole Joe Oseman thing this, this weekend. He had an injury. Uh, talk about that a little bit. What does his prognosis look like? Yeah, we were just at practice, and Bono said doubtful for Syracuse. I, I kind of figured we wouldn't see him in this game again. I'm not a doctor, but when he came off the field, was in a lot of pain. It was his ankle. And uh, they said the x-ray is negative. I mean, that's the good news long term, but you got to feel like if it forced you out of one game, it's going to be something that could linger. He was doubtful, according to Coach Bonamigo, and he was wearing a boot, as I saw him leave the practice field. So he did not practice today. Again, long term, the prognosis isn't as bad as it could be. Um, but they could be missing him on Saturday. Well, and the good thing is Serpa should be 100%. Right. I mean, it's not ideal that you don't have both of them at one time, but at least one comes back as one exits. That's right. Exactly. So for a little bit of a con- of context here, Central Michigan University beat Monmouth last Saturday 31-10. to There were a lot of good things, a lot of not-so-good things we saw in that game. Especially in the first half, there was a lot of uh, positives. Um, Jim, what do you think some of the positives were from the Chippewa team? I joked after the game with Bono, I said Cooper had 300 yards passing in the first half with three touchdowns. That would be a good game. So, I mean, (laughs) he stood out. He was really sharp again. They got a lot of different guys involved. So, Cooper Rush in the passing game, huge thumbs up. What about you, Dom? I think so. It's the kind of situation where we were asking the guys, you played a Big 12 school in your first game and then an FCS opponent in the second week. This weekend is really going to be sort of a barometer and a good measuring stick for CMU to – see where they really truly are and know that they have some reps under their belt. They know what they, their strengths are. They know what their weaknesses are. The uh, question is, how are they going to play against, honestly, a painfully average team in the, the larger context of greater college football? Definitely. And, and the Chippewas play Syracuse this weekend. We'll get to more about that later in the show. Um, for now, it's, I'm kind of looking at the passing game. Obviously, like you said, Cooper Rush had a great first half, 301 passing yards, and then ended up with only about, what, 328? Do you think... They would never admit this, but do you think that the Chippewas were just trying not to run up the score in that second half and running the ball instead of passing the ball, or are you maybe a little bit concerned about Cooper Rush's second-half performance? You know, I don't know. I, I have to look at the rushing attempts. It just feels like they wanted to run the ball more in the second half, probably because they haven't run the ball well this year, and that's kind of the time where you have a lead. You can throw the script out. You can throw out the matchups and just say, we want to get better at this facet, and they tried to run the ball. They just didn't get the desired result. And I don't know how much of it, too, is you're up big and maybe you shift it into neutral and you just kind of play good and not great because you're comfortable with the lead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if they'd ever admit that, but that could very well be a possibility. Dom, looking at the running game, I think we expected in week one for them not to have much of a rushing attack. Oklahoma State's got a really good defensive line. They they didn't do very much. But we thought against Monmouth that they'd really be able to punch the ball and, and get maybe 100 yards or whatever, but they did not do that this weekend. Is that a concern for you? They've been The word I used was woeful here for the first two games. Just been... The holes have not really been quite as open for them. And when they have gotten space, they haven't really shown those explosive tendencies that you look for in a lead or even number two running back between Martez Walker and Devon Spaulding. Now, something to consider is that they do have a relatively inexperienced offensive line now, three sophomores on that line. 
So that could be part of the problem, but it's not like Cooper Rush and the passing attack isn't keeping the defense honest because what's what's going on now, because CMU can't run the ball effectively, um, that box is now really empty, and it's only a matter of time before teams around the conference look at the way CMU is playing and what they do effectively and ineffectively, and they can really become one-dimensional. I mean, CMU has got to, within the next couple of weeks, establish some sort of run presence or they become painfully one-dimensional. Well, I don't want to disagree. I think they need to run the ball better. Like, no one's going to argue that. But it's interesting, when you really boil down, what does a running game mean? Like, why do we, as football fans, want our team to run the ball well? I would argue you want to win time of possession. You want to have third-down conversions. When you run the ball, you get easy third-down conversions, so you stay on the field. To me, that's the biggest reason you want to run the ball. Yet, because Cooper's been so good, they're still the best team in the MAC on third down, and that was against Oklahoma State and Monmouth. So it's not just scaled for Monmouth. Mm-hmm. And they're the second-best team in time of possession. Will that stay? Probably not, but will the running game get a little better? Yes. I guess the bar, to me, where they need to run the ball isn't as high as it's been in years past because Cooper is so good on third down. And you think a little bit about what, what the way they ran the ball last year with Thomas Rawls. It was just night and day. And I think if anybody looks at game film from last year, you, you almost can't compare it now to what's going on because the personnel is so different. The coaching philosophy is different. We've seen Bonamigo run all kinds of different formations and different situations as opposed to previous coach Dan Enos. So it's, it's going to be a matter of time, I think, before they eventually get the reps under their belt. Um, but in the second half of the Monmouth game, it was pretty obvious that it really just turned into a glorified practice, and that's mm-hmm. what they made their priority, running the ball, and, oh, yeah, we're trying to run out the clock and win this game too. Mm-hmm. And Jim, do you think that's – this rushing problem is something that we need to find the right back to put in the system, or is it something where the offensive line is just not making holes? Well, after the first game, you know, I rewatched it, and I talked to uh, Morris Watts, offensive coordinator, and I, I asked him, I said, well, is it the holes aren't there, the backs aren't finding them? And, and he cited more on the fact that the holes were there, but they were closing, meaning the offensive line's not holding the blocks, they're not getting to linebackers. So I think that's more of the, the problem right now. So if you cut it 50-50, I think it's more – 70 offensive line, 30 running backs. It's not one side specifically, but I think more of it is the offensive line. What's the bigger concern, I think, to me is that, especially in the, still in the early stages, the first half of the Monmouth game, you almost started to see, in terms of play calling, that concern started to show. I mean, Jay Robertson got carries. They even handed the ball off to Mark Chapman, who eventually had a rushing touchdown. Again, let's remember that CMU running backs do not have a touchdown this year. It's it's the kind of thing where it's one thing to say we're going to get better, we're going to get better, and then to need to put points on the board now because, I mean, Syracuse and Michigan State, everyone knows they're going to have to establish a running game if they're going to have any shot at winning either of those games. Mm-hmm. Looking at the rushing stats from last week, Devon Spaulding had 10 carries and 17 yards. Martez Walker had 8 carries for 34 yards. Jaray Hayes had 7 carries for 32 yards, and they even gave the ball to Roberson four times for 6 yards, and then Chapman had that 11-yard score. If you're... Coach Bonamigo, who are you giving the ball this weekend at Syracuse? Who's your who's your top running back? Yeah, he mentioned today giving the ball to Hayes more. At least that was the guy that yeah. he mentioned. I thought that was interesting. He's a bigger back. He's the biggest of the backs. And, I mean, Martez, I think, is more well-suited to be a change of pace guy. He's shifty. He had the longest run of the day against Monmouth. Yep. But I think if you have him complementing, things work out better. I don't know what's going on with Spalding because he hasn't been as good as he was at the end of last season. So I think you have to look for a haze earlier in the ballgame and just hope someone gets hot. Well, Bonamigo claims that Spalding is healthy after he suffered a minor injury at the end of training camp. And he doesn't appear to be favoring a leg or anything. I believe it was a lower body injury um, at the end of camp. Um, so, so I don't think it's necessarily a health thing with Devon Spalding. What you were saying, Jim, though, about complementing uh, the running game or 
complimenting the rest of the offense is true. I mean, when Taylor LaValle went out for the year with injury, there was an immediate concern about, okay, when you get down to the red zone, a goal line situation, who's your big back or who's your, you know, going to get that extra yard for you? I mean, right now in terms of if we're just hanging our head on the rushing game, we're not even going to get into the red zone. So once they get there, there's going to be another layer of a problem when it comes to the rushing game. So they have to start at a very basic level, and to be at this basic level two weeks into the season is a concern. Mm. I think you look at Devon Spaulding, too. He's a guy that's going to get one yard, one yard, one yard, 50 yards. You look at the Eastern Michigan game last year, and he broke some big runs, and I think he's that type of speed guy. If he gets in space, he's really going to break out. But right now, this year, he really hasn't found that space. Do you guys think that maybe we jumped on the Spaulding bandwagon? I say we collectively as fans, media people. Well, the media did. Spaulding was going to be our number one guy from, I think, what a lot of people thought. Well, and last season he had two really good games, but they were against Miami and Eastern. And maybe you think, okay, it's a young running back. This might take longer than we thought. I, I don't know. Maybe him being a younger back, the offensive line being younger, it just hasn't meshed. Like the puzzle pieces aren't fitting quite how we thought they would. Mm-hmm. But also, Monmouth has got to be in the same category as Miami and Eastern, right? That's true. Good point. But um, So if you... I think a lot, this year we were looking at it was going to be Spalding and it was going to be uh, Martez Walker. But now this Jare Hayes has really jumped in the mix. Roberson didn't do much. Do you think Hayes is a guy that is going to jump in and make it a, a three-back system? It's interesting because he's the bigger back, but he comes from JUCO, the City College of San Francisco. Yeah. So how does that translate? He did fumble, but it wasn't he a fumble. He has fumble issues, that's mm-hmm. for sure. So that's something that, I mean, if you fumble it, you're out of the rotation. So while we think he might be the guy coming in, he could easily be out with a carry or two. So. That's why we haven't heard of Maurice Shoemaker Gilmore, his name in a long time, because he couldn't hold on to the ball. Yeah, he, he transferred to, I think it's like a D3 school in Illinois. Yeah, he that was a situation where I don't think it was working out for either side. Mm-hmm. Is Hayes a guy you trust? I mean, I can't say I trust him now, right? I mean, he's played I don't trust very anyone to get it done at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an intri- it's an intriguing guy, right? It's an interesting guy. It's someone who's on the tip of all of our tongues, but you got to show us, right? I mean, we're in a results business. And right now is the, the point that they have to get it done because if there ever was an early turning point in the season for this team, I think this is it right here heading into Syracuse. What about just using screens more? I know they use screens more against Monmouth, Chapman as a receiver, as a running back. Maybe they just need to be more creative. Maybe the answer isn't they have the Thomas Rawls running back and the, the sooner you realize it's not worth searching and wasting time over it, maybe you can get past it faster. It's interesting because what I think you do when you run those screen plays is – this offense lives and dies on Cooper Rush's shoulders. I think everyone knows that. When you run those screenplays, you leave Cooper a little bit more susceptible to getting con- contacted and maybe getting down, down to the ground. That's, to me, I see what you're saying, Jim, but it is extremely risky when you're talking about your quarterback's health and, frankly, is your offensive line able to execute those plays as quickly as that needs to be against, again, Power 5 schools like Syracuse and Michigan State. Definitely. So looking forward, um, Syracuse this weekend, 12.30 p.m., on the road, um, if you kind of look at their stat book, they have um, their, Ter- Terrell Hunt was supposed to be their guy. He was supposed to be their senior quarterback. He really torched the Chippewas last year in the Syracuse's 40-3 victory at Kelly Short Stadium. He has two passing attempts this year, and he's done for the season with an injury. Brings it to Eric Dungy. What do you know about Dungy, and does he scare you? It's early in the week, so like the coaches, I still do some prep ahead of time. I don't know a lot about him. I've looked at some of the stats. I mean, we've seen that. He didn't complete a lot of passes. They didn't attempt a lot of passes against Wake Forest, but he threw a lot of passes. They got a lot of yards in the air. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. As a true freshman, you'd think maybe you can scheme him, trick him, have him throw the ball somewhere he's, he's not supposed to and get an interception. Right now, CMU has just one interception. But you remember last year, they started out with a lot of interceptions. Mm. A couple safeties 
Anise and Frazier, probably one of the best duos in the MAC. You probably need one of those two guys to force some turnovers against a, a freshman quarterback. And it starts at the line, and with or without Joe Osman, the defensive line for CMU has played pretty darn well. I mean, really, if you just substitute Osman for Serpa, it's 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 a unit that's proven that it can, if it doesn't rush the passer, it can at least contain the outside. So if Syracuse isn't really sure about their freshman quarterback at this point, and they're going to pound the ball to start the game, I think CMU is the right defense to try to contain the the SU offense. I think the interesting part is going to be the CMU offense versus the SU defense. And again, can they establish a run game? And are things going to open up down the field for Cooper Rush? And receivers that have really shown that they can move the ball. I mean, Ben McCord had a huge game against Monmouth. Mark Chapman was the leading receiver last week. So the weapons are there for Rush. It's just going to be a matter of how does it fit into what SU is trying to do. And you know, I think there's an element of whether or not the players want to acknowledge this revenge to this game. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of guys, the seniors and juniors, remember um, what happened to Kelly Short Stadium last year. And that can be a very powerful thing in sports. Yeah. With Syracuse, you talk about that side of the ball. With Syracuse, if they blitz as heavy as they did last year, I feel a lot better if I'm a CMU fan. Absolutely. Because I think Cooper Rush, with this offense, and you don't have to laser in on Titus Davis, you go, you blitz. I got three, four pass options, and he's smart enough now where he's making those decisions very quickly. Maybe you run that screen then. And I was going to say, that's the other part of this. Mm-hmm. That screen game might become a running game if they blitz as much as they did last year. Right. Yep. Looking at the, at Dungy, he had, you think a freshman quarterback, all right, let's get some turnovers on him. Well, he has two touchdowns and zero interceptions in both his first and his second game, but not throwing it a lot. Like you said, eight completions last week and 10 the week before. And eight was in a game where they had a comeback victory over Wake Forest. Syracuse is 2-0 right now. Last year, they were 3-9. and Are they a better team than they were last year, from, from what you think? I know we haven't had a lot, a lot of time to look at them yet. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know if they're going to be better or not at this point. You would just think having a younger quarterback, there will be at some point. If it's not CMU, there's going to be a game where he throws a pick or two, right? I mean, there's going to be a game where he does seep back down. So it's hard to say they're going to be better this early in the season. And there's something to be said for how shook a team can be by a devastating season-ending injury to a leader and a star player. That being said, if you think about it, Syracuse has been through this with Hunt before. He yeah. got hurt last year, too. So I don't want to say it makes it any easier, but SU has had a lot of dynamic movement through uh, the larger narrative of their season recently. Yeah, no doubt. And Syracuse, they play the 13th-ranked LSU Tigers the week after they play the Chippewas. Could this maybe be something that works to the advantage of the Chippewas? It could get worse. I mean, they could be playing Michigan State the following week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we play the fourth-ranked Spartans. I mean, I think that the Chippewas are going to be pretty focused on the Orange. They're definitely not the favorites. Do you think maybe the Orange might be overlooking the Chippewas at all, especially after their 40-3 to victory last year? I mean, it'd be human nature, right? I mean, that's one of those things we sit in a room and say, yeah, sure. I mean, I, we don't know the mentality of their team, but that's one of those things where if there's ever been a situation for a trap game, you got to meet all the criteria. This meets all that criteria. A team you beat last year, a team you're supposed to beat this year, a big opponent the following week. And that LSU game is at home at Syracuse, so there's more of a buzz, I'm sure, on campus. There is a chance of that. And I think the game is it's going to be closer than 40-3. to three. I think that's pretty fair to say, right? There's a lot of anticipation for CMU heading into this. Or I'm sorry, there, I should say there was a lot of anticipation heading into last year's game fresh off the heels of the win at Purdue and now a 2-0 CMU team with the emergence of Thomas Rawls, um, then there is going to be for the home team this year. SU, this is, again, as Jim said, a game that you know they beat big last year. They should beat this year. Um, and, of course, with LSU coming in there next week, they'd be lying if they said they weren't looking ahead a little bit, especially with a CMU team that, with a new head coach, 
with a largely new system, it's going to be interesting to see how SU responds to what CMU has done so far this year. It's interesting. The last few years, CMU always won a game they weren't supposed to. This kind of feels like if you look at the schedule, could that be the game you this win? Is you're that not game. supposed to? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I don't think it's going to be Michigan State. I, I no, no offense. I will say, 14. though, and I'll be, we'll probably end up saying this next week over and over again, if CMU is to pull off the equivalent of a college football miracle next week, it would be the biggest win in program history. No questions asked. Go to East Lansing to knock off a top-five team, potentially throw them out of the playoff picture. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of anything bigger than that. Yeah, definitely. And I, We're definitely looking forward to talking about that next week. Looking this week, how big would a Syracuse win be? Obviously not as big as a Michigan State victory, but what would it mean for this program to beat Syracuse on the road? Well, you start to stack it up. I mean, you beat Purdue last year on the road, Iowa a couple years before that. This would be one of those types of wins. Syracuse is not a top team in their conference, but they would be a Power 5 team that you beat, and you do it on the road, again, to fill in with those other games. And I think, interestingly enough, when you look at their schedule, if you go 2-2 two and two in the non-conference, which is what a win would make you essentially 2-2 two and two in the non-conference, you feel a lot better going into the conference play than you do if you're 1-3, and three, especially when this team is fighting to get to a bowl this season under a first-year head coach. Mm-hmm. You go 2-2, two and two, that means all you got to be is 500 in the MAC to put yourself in bowl contention. In a pretty good spot, and especially if you look at kind of how things have gone elsewhere in the MAC, which I think we're going to talk about here in a second, the you're always constantly, when, when you play in a conference, you always – Think you're always focused on your non-conference games, but you got one eye on what else is going on in the conference too because it's a pretty good indication of how some of those head-to-head matchups against, for us, teams like NIU, Toledo, Western, how those are going to shake out down the road. Yeah, definitely. Looking at real quick at Syracuse's running stats, they also their, their top running back is also a freshman, Jordan Fredericks, but they have four guys who rushed for at least 17 carries so far this year and 50-plus yards, so... They're really, you don't know what to expect from that, that group either. And then at the receivers, though, nobody has more than four receptions on the year in, in the first two games. And Brisley S. Time is their top receiver with 107 yards. So I, I think it's definitely the running game you're worried about as for the CMU defense, right? Absolutely. And, again, with or without Joe Osman, um, Blake Serper should play. They've got a chance to contain that. It's just going to be a matter of how they respond early because – as we've seen all year, the way CMU plays early in games has really dictated whether or not they're going to hang around or not. It's interesting when you look at the, the attempts. They have 95 carries on the season. They've attempted 34 passes. I mean, that, that's not balance. I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. CMU being heavy pass. They're more heavy run, and that's probably because the quarterback uncertainty and playing. So maybe which, whichever team finds its balance sooner in that game is the one that wins. Yeah, a lot of questions about the passing game for Syracuse, a lot of questions about the running game for the Chippewas. So looking at this weekend, what are some of your predictions? What's What are some keys to victory, and what do you think the final score is going to be? I think we just stumbled on one, right? Stop the run for Syracuse, because that would force them to put their freshman quarterback in situations where he might make a mistake. Um, for CMU, I'm sure everyone every week is going to say, run the ball, establish the run. But the big thing is really converting on third down, however you choose to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if that's going to be third and 12 like Cooper did last week, again, not ideal. But if you can convert on third down, you're going to have a chance to win almost any, every single game you play. Absolutely, and it, to me, the guy that I, if I'm going to focus on one player, it's going to be Mark Trattman. Can he keep it up, and can he play as well on the road as he as he has home? You know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> there was one, on that run, that 11-yard touchdown run last year, it was the kind of thing where even sitting from the press box, I went, wow, he kind of, kind of looks like a running back. He looks <laughs> like an athlete that can really pound it forward into the end zone. Mm-hmm. If they can get him going, they can get him in space, whether it be on a screen or some other way, um, that will be the chance for CMU to score high enough put themselves in a position to win this game. 
Yeah, there's a bit. It's basically CMU's trick play last week. It wasn't really a trick play, just a sweeping right receiver. It was unexpected, is what it but was. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, that's kind of just caught the defense napping. That's how they scored that touchdown. All right, Jim, what's your prediction? Final score this weekend? Oh boy, I figured you guys were gonna do this, and <laughs> well, I you I, do it to us when we go on your show. That's so. a great point. It's a great point. Oh man, when do you guys go first? I want to like base it off of something. I think SU is able to score, and I think they are able to run the ball. CMU should be able to get things going down the field. Probably a relatively high-scoring game. I'll go SU 31, CMU 28. I was going to say the exact same thing, except CMU 27, so you stole my thunder down. But right, what well, do you, they're going to get an extra point. So. All right, all right, we'll see. We'll see. You were pretty close last week, I think. Um, Did I? Was yeah. I? Yeah, you were real close. Greg actually predicted it was uh, – he predicted 30, 31 to – 17 or something. It was really Thank cool. you, sports editor, for keeping track of that kind of thing. Yeah, so Dom is, Dom is on the money. But what about, what about you, Jim? You know, I'm going to say 34 to 31 Syracuse. Okay, I think CMU can move the ball. I think they're going to be in this game. Uh, but Syracuse, Power 5 team, and, and I think they're they're going to be able to run the ball to some degree. But I think that's going to be the key in the game. Is And we're going to tell early, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it'll be evident from the beginning, I yeah. think. And mm-hmm. It's just going to be a matter of how it plays out and who's able to sustain and balance from start to finish. What you guys are telling me is it's going to be close in the fourth quarter. Ooh, oh, man, you know, who even knows? <laughs> well, how about that? If you're close in the fourth quarter, do you take the team with the better quarterback? Probably. Yeah, I'm just Probably. something to think about. You know, if you're sitting at home, you go, they're starting a true freshman, and you've got Cooper Rush, who I think really highly of based on what we've seen this season. I think he's become he's one of the top quarterbacks. everything the billing was, it, absolutely. So if it's going to be a close game going to the fourth, I mean, got to think CMU has a chance how for that upset. How can you bet against them? How, yeah. how, how can you bet against yeah, I would not be shocked if CMU wins this game. No, I'll me neither. That. I think anybody would be shocked if they mm-hmm. won the game, but it's not a sure thing either. It's not expected, maybe, right? But, but not a shock. So they're also playing in a dome, the Carrier Dome. Does that have any effect on players? You think? I don't know. It's going to be hot. I don't know. I've never been in a dome kick. for a football game. Yeah, I've been there for basketball games only once. I'm from the area, and when that place gets loud, it does. Now, are they going to pack in you know thousands and thousands of people like they do when you know the Orange basketball team plays? No. Apparently they've had some attendance issues this year, but crowd noise could be a factor, yes. How about this? They had 26,000 at their last game this season. Last season, CMU, when they hosted Syracuse, had 25,000. That's interesting. That's their top of the year. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you think there's a chance that the Kelly Shorts version of this game outdraws the Carrier Dome version of this game? That would be hilarious to me. (laughs) It would, because they can fit 40,000, 50,000 there. I'm not exactly sure, but it's, it's a big crowd, and I think... If anyone's, if they're going to go to any game, it's going to be next weekend at the LSU game. That's going to be the big draw, I think. True. And so, so it does have a, a, a tendency, or at least it's showing signs of not being the biggest crowd of the year for them. Definitely. Um, looking around the MAC, there were some interesting games in last last weekend. Just to put it at the least, um, what do you think was the most notable MAC game last week besides the Chippewas? Go ahead, Jim. What do you mean, Eastern Michigan going into Laramie? Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) Obviously, it's Toledo going down and beating Arkansas and former CMU head coach Dan Enos. The offense scores 12 points in the game, two from a safety. So really, 10 points out of an Arkansas offense. And uh, 500 yards still, and they couldn't score points. That's a great point. It was a huge win for the MAC, And it it came on a day where I think the MAC went 7-6 and that day. I mean, it was by far the biggest win that I've seen out of a Toledo team. I can't think of the last time. I mean, when would Toledo get a win like that before? I don't know. I mean, you, you got to have they beat Pitt. I thought I saw something they beat Pitt yeah, recently. Yeah, maybe, but like SEC, man. I'm sorry. Like that is the golden standard in college football, and to go down there and to get a what? Yeah. You said 500 yards. They did have like a hundred rushing. 
which for a Dan Enos offense, 100 uh, yards rushing. Yeah. Yeah, and poor Dan Enos. He was 0-5 against Toledo going into that. Can you say with, that again? Poor Dan Enos. Poor Dan I mean, poor Dan you got to feel bad for him because it's not like they lost 49-48. He, they scored 12 points even though they had and they could not run the ball in the red zone to save their lives. I know we're ones to talk yeah. up here at CMU, yeah, but true. man. Here's a stat for you. So Arkansas had five trips in the red zone against Toledo last weekend. Only managed to score three points on those five trips. And um, here's the stat from ESPN is that that's the only they're only the third SEC team in the last decade to make at least five trips to the red zone in a game and not score a touchdown in any of them. So that's just crazy that they were they had the opportunities but really couldn't convert. Well, it was it was right after a CMU victory. Fans, I'm sure, realized. That Arkansas was losing to Toledo. It was like <laughs> yes. a, it's like that second wave of wow. Okay, Today things are really going. Today is well. a good day. Yeah. 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 Some other interesting scores: Bowling Green beat Maryland pretty handily, a Big Ten team. I guess that just shows you where Bowling Green's at. Dino Babers. Everybody talks about him as an offensive mind. You see him put up forty-eight points. He's the real deal. He might not be in the MAC very long. I know it's an interesting situation there, as opposed to in other conferences and stuff. Quarterback Nick Johnson. Oh my goodness. Another stat for you, Eastern Michigan beats Wyoming pretty big, 48-29. Normally we don't care that much about Eastern Michigan because they just can't win games, but here's the stat for you I found this morning. I texted you about it, Dom. This was Eastern Michigan's first road conference victory, non-conference victory since 1988. What were you guys doing in 1988? I was negative six. I was already rooting against Eastern Michigan football from the womb. <laughs> That's just crazy. I can't believe I, I had to double check that stat. I'm like, that has to be wrong. That they haven't won a non conference road game since then. But Isn't that the last time they were wow. really good in the MAC? Was, was the late 80s? Maybe. I mean, Who it, knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it goes back a long time. They didn't wear those um, track uniforms, did they, out in Wyoming? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. Maybe that's the key. Ditch the How track uniforms. How bad is Wyoming? Can we just, like, really appreciate this moment for a second? I mean, they like, won by 20, by 19 points. Eastern did. On the road. Pitiful. I, I'm sorry. Listen, you just don't go into Laramie. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Oh, no, that's exactly. I, I don't know, know if they say that. that. Someone <laughs> says that. You were the first person to say that. Too. Another game I found interesting was the Kent State game. Uh, I don't know if you heard about April Goss kicking the yep. extra point. She's the second female to score a point in Division One. It was a pretty cool moment for Kent State. And Delaware State, I think, also had negative 33 yards on the day. That's also terrible. They scored 13 points off two Kent State turnovers. Hashtag Maction, baby. There's Maction. So for some more Maction, Western Michigan came within, what was it, 10 points of Michigan State last week? Yep. And then this week they lose to Georgia Southern. Are they even D1A? I don't they, know. Are. they are. They are. Okay, 43-17. to 17. The one Conference USA last year, aren't they? Did they? I'm pretty sure. Well, because I, I think PJ talked about it. They were a conference champion. I yeah, think it's okay, Conference PJ. USA or Sunbelt. It yeah. might be Sunbelt. Sunbelt, yeah. Yeah, but they're one of the better teams in their conference. Yeah, and they they had one passing completion, Georgia Southern, and scored 43 points. That's just, I can't even wrap my mind around that. 413 rushing yards. I forget the exact words that P.J. Fleck, you, Fleck used about the performance on defense. Floundering? It was, it was something like something that. Something to do with the boat, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Floundering. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't hear it, but you'd imagine oh, it's something man. goofy with rowing and boats and <laughs> yeah. nautical equipment. Yes. So, I mean... That that shocks me. Does it shock you that Western lost by that bad to Georgia Southern? I can't believe Western has started the year 0-2, but I still think they're one of the top teams in the conference. When you look at the offensive playmakers they have, Corey Davis, Zach Terrell, Javion Franklin, I mean, they will be a force to be reckoned with. They just have definitely the hardest non-conference schedule in the conference. They play Ohio State next and, week. And arguably the, best, the hardest in the nation. Yeah, they're going to be 
three losses in their non-conference. And that was, I mean, you, you thought at least two, and this was kind of that swing game, three non-conference losses for Western. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, P.J. Flex said it was probably the best thing that could ever happen to this team because they're going to, no one was happy with their performance on, on Saturday. So they're going to be angry going in. Poor Murray State. That's what I have to say. Yeah, really. Poor Murray State. they face them next right. week. So they're going to have to face an angry Western Michigan football team looking for their first win. What happens if they lose to Murray State? Oh, uh, then it's just the boat sinks. You know, nothing. <laughs> boat sinks. You know, if you listen to PJ, nothing bad has ever happened to Western. Like, they just lost the game, and that's the best thing that's ever happened to their This partners. is a really good thing. This yeah. loss is fantastic. Yeah. So. I don't know. That just was another thing that shocked me last week. Looking at this week, um, we have an um, action game. We have Eastern Michigan playing Ball State, was it? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the game they're going to start. Is that in Muncie? Yes. So, I mean, we got some action. Some other interesting games, obviously, the Chippewas have Syracuse this weekend. Northern Illinois goes to Ohio State. Huge game. How close do you think that one will be? It could be very close. You really think it's going to be close? I like NIU in this conference. I think they might win the MAC this year. How about that? All right. So, do you think they have a chance at beating Ohio State? I mean, no, but no. <laughs> it, it could very easily be a close game. The line is 34.5 points. Ohio State's supposed to beat them by. See, now that is just ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. No? You think they're going to get crushed by that much? I do, yeah. Seen, I don't know if you've seen Ohio State yes, play football. Yes, I, I watched the Virginia Tech and then they, whatever, week two. Hawaii. I, Hawaii. Okay. Wasn't they like 36 nothing or something? Yeah. Hawaii's not even good, are they? I just hate Ohio, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Um, and that's really about it. Looking at action games, there's Florida Atlantic. I guess Kent State plays Minnesota. Maybe that's somewhat interesting. A big no, Minnesota's bad. And Minnesota's favored by 23 and a half points. Minnesota is bad. Kent Pro- State's bad. I promise you. <laughs> Didn't Minnesota almost beat TCU a couple yeah, weeks ago? Close. Yeah, Open the season on Thursday. Kind of. Week one. Okay. What do you guys like in Ball State Eastern, by the way? And that's, hold on. It, Three o'clock at that, Eastern. That's at Ryan Earson. Yeah, oh, it it's, is. It's, it's, not, it's not in Muncie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think Ball State's one of those interesting teams. Are they going to be back towards the top of the MAC this year, or are they going to be kind of where they were last year and kind of a bottom? What field? I want to see is Ball State versus Wyoming. Oh boy, no one wants to see that. No, <laughs> no one wants, wants to see that. Wyoming. Period. It sounds like. Yeah. So if you um just kind of looking at the MAC in general, where do you see CMU ranking in those twelve teams? Maybe specifically in the MAC West. How do you see after two games of watching Chippewa football? Where do you put them? Well, you look at the MAC West, and I think Toledo right now everybody's probably putting number one. Go and beat Arkansas on the road. They got some. They the got top. some votes in the top twenty-five this week too. Toledo. Yeah, they were. All, they were five spots out of the. I think top twenty-five. Okay. Holy Toledo. Calm down. <laughs> hey, I'm just reporting but, I mean, the facts. They're probably at the top. Um, you love NIU, I do. And, and they've been five in a row uh, to the MAC championship game. So you have to put them in there. And then Western Michigan, obviously the hype before the season, but CMU probably fourth right now. And and listen, I think they can go and potentially beat. One of those teams. NIU comes to CMU. NIU has had trouble with CMU. But you got to look at the, the class of the conference, in my mind, this year is Toledo and Western. Correct. And, if you, it's again, as we talk about every year in the MAC, it's so lopsided. I mean, the West is stacked. And then you've got Bowling Green in the East. And who else, yeah. honestly? That's, that's really about it. But you like CMU more than Ball State. I do. And before the year, Ball State was picked to finish ahead of CMU. I, I'm very aware. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that... Based on what we've seen on the field this year from both teams, from Ball State and CMU, CMU is clearly the superior team. Mm-hmm. So after after Syracuse, CMU has Michigan State on the road, and they play NIU at home, and then Western on the road. All tough games. Do you think the Syracuse game is maybe the easiest of the next four? I think the NIU game is probably the easiest. Yeah. Wow. 
Tim Costa. Well, well, well do you, do you disagree? I think that Syracuse is the most winnable game as of right now. Can you really? imagine the experience and the the reps that NIU is going to get playing Ohio State? I mean, yeah. and Western's going to play Ohio State too. Well, the, can you imagine the reps CMU is going to get by playing <laughs> Michigan State? It's the same concept. If you play a great team and you lose, I don't think it makes you a better team. I think it does, though. It depends how you play in the game. That's right. That's and, okay. and we, we disagree on that. And we disagree on how that Ohio State NIU game is going to go. So that's probably right. the that's, point that's of that's it. That's the yeah. crux, man. Everything I mean, comes around in, in this thing. I mean, we thought it. that we thought Western learned a lot from that state game, and then they get pummeled the next week. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they took stuff. This Taylor, he knows what he's talking about. But. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Mac. Um, last thing, let's just kind of look at the NFL a little bit. I don't know how much Latarius Walton got to play, but I know Thomas Rawls got a couple carries, got five yards this week. I was kind of surprised he got the ball being the third string back. I I was I figured he might make the team, but to get some carries and especially a close game, it was back and forth. I think did they end up losing to Tom. Yes, yeah. they did. Down the CLC Hawks lost to Rams. St. Louis St. Rams in overtime, right? That's right. You know, it's an interesting spot for Rawls because Marshawn's the number one, but then Fred Jackson in his thirties. <laughs> Weird. You know what I mean? He's, it, <laughs> He gets like three and a half yards a carry. So there is a chance, and I think we've already seen it, that Rawls could outperform and actually become that backup or at least steal carries. Thomas Rawls is better than Fred Jackson is the bottom line. right? I'm just saying, who's trending in what direction? Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's the rookie versus the guy who's on his way out the door. So it's possible. He could be the backup by the end of the year. Yeah. You never know with Fred Jackson, too. He has a lot of injuries, I think. Yeah, as well, especially when you get up there in age. Mm-hmm. But I think he is an experienced back. He started many years for the Bills. That's right. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously, when you look at, at Chip Oz in the NFL, Antonio Brown is near the top. He's, he always does great every every year. Um, I think one of the questionable ones is um, in Indianapolis, running back situation there. Not the same as last year. Absolutely not. What do you think about that? Zerlon was cut, right? Zerlon got cut. Yeah. yeah. Which was weird because he had some carries in the AFC Championship game. Scored the only touchdown for the Colts in the AFC Championship yeah. game. Correct? Holding uh, not deflated footballs, right? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the Colts didn't have any deflated football. Costa can't go. Yeah, that's why he had that touchdown. It's a sports talk radio thing. Just it wasn't Tom Brady. It was actually our guy. You never yeah, know. That's right. Yeah. This is Erlon. Um, so maybe we'll hopefully see him on a roster. Um, Wouldn't surprise me. He's still got a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of skill to do. Yeah, so. so it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens around the NFL. A lot of guys got experience. I'm um, in the preseason. Maybe got cut, though, between uh, Dion and we had Justin Cherokee and the Lions and and stuff, but um, really Rawls is the one I think we're kind of looking at as, as Chippewa fans. He's got the best chance. What's what's the deal with Titus? What do you guys make of that situation? Because I didn't think he'd be cut. I mean, I'm kind of blown away. Because I, I went to bat, and I thought this guy was going to be drafted. Costa, yeah. who was, like, beside himself yeah. when Titus didn't get his, like, Twitter rampage Well, I mean, but were you not shocked? I was. It was, mm-hmm. it was the kind of thing where you knew that something was up. You didn't know what, but it felt not right. But now it leads to, he's on the practice squad, and he gets you think he'd at least be on the practice squad, right? I, I can't explain it. I can't. I well, he never really had drop problems at CMU, right? Nope. So nope. this just feels odd. It feels out of character for arguably the best wide receiver we've ever had at this school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he broke a lot of Antonio Brown's records, and look what Brown's doing Brown's at Pittsburgh. Doing, yeah. I mean, you never know if it's going to translate. But So would you want Titus Davis on your favorite NFL team? Depends on who my other wide receivers are at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're a Lions fan... What's the depth outside of Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson? I mean, why wouldn't you want him on your practice squad? That's yeah. the question, because right now he's not. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him, obviously, tear apart MAC teams, but even in big games. I mean, I don't know if you can call Western Kentucky a big game, but he had some major yardage and, and a couple touchdowns in that one. And then 
even I think he didn't do bad against Purdue. Davis's Davis's Dave, career is not over, mm-hmm. but it is at sort of a turning point in the early going. I mean, you have to be able to break through and impress somebody. And I mean, it's the biggest cliche in the world, but it's just going to come down to the right, right place, right time, right team. It right only situation. takes one. You want to squeeze a few more in yeah, here? Yeah, that's right. Hey, <laughs> seriously. I mean, mm-hmm. Titus has got skill. He's got athleticism. And if he can catch the ball consistently in pressure situations, he's good enough to play on any NFL team. Yeah, I think Titus and both him and Zerlon are both kind of at the crux right now. Like, are they going to get to get on a team and get some carries and maybe even become a starter? Or Have are they going to no? kind of just peter away and not right. even be on a roster? You don't know. Um, yeah, so that's it for the NFL. What are some things? Uh, you, you're writing some stuff down. Tell us about that. Okay, i got lots of stuff going on. Uh, check out Thursday's paper. We'll have a special teams package. Yes. Uh, we're talking to a couple of really interesting characters. And uh, punter Ron Caluzzi, mm-hmm. place kicker Brian Evey. They talk a lot about mental toughness and sort of the game of inches and how it leads to, in many cases, a win or a loss. Um, special teams coordinator Mike Deitzel. I mean, it, we have a, a very nice package coming on Thursday. Um, a notebook should be up later today for those of you that are looking for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything you need to know about Syracuse is, is going to be uh, out in, out in the open here uh, within the next day or two. Yeah, definitely. I got to talk to Mike Zank just about an hour ago, and a real interesting character. He's maybe the the only person who knows that he's a starter on this team is the guy next to me, Jim Costa, because <laughs> um, he knows everything about CME football. But Zank is just kind of a, a cool guy. He's got a long long hair, a big grizzly beard, and he's he says that he um he decided in fourth grade that, that his coach told him that if you want to be um, play football and have a spot on any team, you want to be a long snapper. So he said, okay, coach. And he's been a long snapper ever since, since fourth grade. I thought he was kidding me, but I'm pretty sure he was serious. That's awesome. The only Zenk story I have is we were leaving the Bahamas and there was like a chaos situation. And he's like trying to coordinate. We're like freaking out where the passport's going. That's that's like my only Mike Zenk moment. That's good. So he kind of dad it out. He's yeah. taking care of everybody. So he's a long snapper on the team. We'll have a story about that also. Emmett Thomas, the true freshman, the only true freshman I think that is starting for the Chippewas. We have a cool story on him. I guess he was he could have gone to Louisville, was it? That's right, and then had academic issues or had to sit out a year or something. See, but we love this story because then he's washing cars and trimming trees, and it's like anytime like Kurt Warner, you're bagging groceries and you make it. Like yeah. we love those stories. That's right, and he has shown that he could be very good here in another year or two. So yeah. that's definitely a player to watch for this team. And I think when you hear academic issues, that kind of scares me. Like, oh, Thomas Rawls, some other players. But talking to the coaches, and they say he's like, his maturity is way beyond his years, beyond that 20-year-old. And that's why he it started. It has to be, yeah, if yeah. you're going to play in big game situations. So I, I don't think he's really a character issue in any of that. I mean, I haven't, I haven't got to talk to him personally. But we'll have a story about that on Thursday as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, anything we should be looking for from you, Jim? Yeah, so a pregame show for Central Michigan football will be on the air 1130 this week. And uh, interviews with Mark Chapman. Uh, interview with Archie Collins talking about some of these impressive guys in the secondary, some of the younger corners. And uh, every Monday night on WMHW 91.5, you can catch me 7 to 10, Sports Talk, CMU, and more uh, every week on the radio. Uh, Jim does a really nice job. It's really worth your look. Definitely. So Jim will be there covering the game. Uh, Dom and I will also be there at Syracuse on Saturday. We'll be trying to do some Periscope stuff. We'll be tweeting, be taking photos. We'll be covering the game, we'll interviewing players, all that. So even though you probably can't go to Syracuse this weekend. We're doing it for you. We can bring you there. So feel free to pay attention to our coverage, follow Jim's coverage. Um, yeah, if you're in the Mount Pleasant area, it's 95.3 will have the game. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I think it's also on TV, right? That's right. Uh, Is it Fox Sports? Detroit? Fox Sports. Um, the ACC network will have the game if you get that at home, which I'm 
don't know. Okay. Do you think a lot of people here have the ACC <laughs> network? I'm, you can. You can opt into it through your cable provider if you got it. I think so. it might be an ESPN. I don't know if it's on ESPN3, but you'll be able to find it on television also. Or just listen to the radio. Yeah, or just listen to Jim Costa. <laughs> Say it again, Jim. Yeah, or just hear, listen on the radio. Hear him on the sidelines. So that's about all we, for the Gridiron guys. Thank you for Jim for coming in and being our guest today. Uh, thank you, Dom. And uh, feel free to follow us on Saturday. And that's about it from us, Fire Up Chips.